dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in God's country crops far as I can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us HPJ ride with us Well, welcome folks to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hi, Jenny. So Kayleen's joining us from home today. She's on on kid duty. Cattle U is finally in the books, Kayleen. What did you think? I thought it turned out really good. We had some really good speakers and some really great conversations, I thought. Who, who, did, yeah. you, who did you like listening to the best? Oh, you're making me think. Um, I think I really liked the live meat-cutting demonstration that the Oklahoma Beef Council helped with. and It was kind of neat to see the different pieces of the loin that she cut apart. Wasn't that interesting? I always I have a, a weird fascination when they start breaking down the primals into different cuts and how they can do that and how they figured that out. Because a lot of people just think, well, you just cut them and voila. But there's there's a lot of trimming that goes on. There's a lot of thought about what's the most efficient cut because you've got a lot of cattle going along on the chain and, and you've got to make those cuts as efficiently as possible. You don't want to be hurting yourself as the as the butcher, and you also want to be quick and efficient. It, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see what all goes into it and all the the specialized cuts they're able to, to get out of the different pieces of meat. You know, the day after we had our Cattle U event wrap up, I was announcing the steer show at my county fair from back home, and a lot of those steers are finishing in the 1,400 pound range, in the 1,500 pound range. And it got me to thinking about one of the things that they mentioned is the larger animals that we, are, that we have today, a lot of those cuts don't fit in the, in the marketplace quite as easily as they used to in the past. You know, people are more conscious about their serving and portion sizes. They're more conscious about their budgets and you know, a big giant hunk of meat may look good for a farmer or a rancher, um, <laughs> but it doesn't really do, it doesn't translate well when you're in the grocery store and you just need a couple of steaks for date night. Yeah. That was interesting. I think for me, Tiffany Lashman from Texas A&M, she always does a really good job of explaining um, issues that, that landowners and ranchers and and grazers need to understand when they start talking about um, grazing leases. Um, There's so many things that go into that that you think, well, everybody knows that. It's a handshake deal. Everybody knows that. Well, you know what, folks? Unless it's spelled out specifically in a written lease, it's not not worth the the paper that it's not written on. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> you know, speaking from experience, I I have to agree with that. I wish I could have listened in on that one. I'll have to go back and 
listen to the recording, hopefully. Well, and that's the thing. We're hoping to have the recordings of the sessions um, up on cattleu.net and um, in an, and available to those that had been registered participants. We're still working that out, but all of the slides are at CattleU, and you can follow along on those slides. And, and if you have questions, we can certainly put you back in touch with our speakers and, and help you get the information that you need. So, yeah. Um, you know, switching up here, it's been kind of a roller coaster two weeks for you guys over at the Scott House. How are you getting along, huh? Oh, it's going. <laughs> it's going. I don't know how well, but everybody's still here. Yeah, um, Kayleen lost her mare uh, two weeks ago, right? Yeah, on the 24th of July. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit more or, or you wrote a you wrote a really good um a really touching uh, blog post on it and I and I know how close you were to that that horse um you know gets to a point where they're not really so much a horse they're a part of you isn't it yeah it's it's kind of hard I mean I've had her for 21 years and we've been to college rodeos and open rodeos and barrel races and all kinds of places and she was the first real I don't know barrel horse that I ever had I mean I trained her myself but she was she was bred to run (laughs) she has a grand granddaughter Seattle Slough and I just had a really good long time with her and it was hard to let her go especially in the manner that it happened we I'm, I'm inclined to think that she had a heart attack and that's what happened. She was 27, so it was bound bound to happen at some point. I just wish it didn't have to happen the way it did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the kids are, are starting school. Your mom, she's in the hospital. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> honey, just hang in there. I, I, I wish I had any answers for you, but just know that, you know, you got a whole bunch of people here rooting for you and, and hanging in there and keeping you in our, in our minds. Um, speaking on a, on a bit of a brighter note, though, a couple weeks back, we got our first piece of fan mail. Kayleen, wasn't that a, a day brightener? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, our listener, Lisa McMullen of Ellenwood, Kansas, uh, sent us some really lovely um, mugs. Uh, they're antique mugs from Boot Hill Museum. <laughs> they are adorable, and she... she um, added some flowers to him and everything and full disclosure she happens to be my fella's aunt so <laughs> it helps to have family that's actually listening to what you're talking about well um she is uh she's a great fan and you know she's not really from the the regular uh ag marketplace like what we would think of but she listens in from ellenwood and and asks some good questions there you know, we also gained a few new listeners from Cattle U, where we explained about how to just subscribe to the podcast. Um, did you get some people coming up to you, Kayleen? Because I got a couple of, of gentlemen that came up to me and said, okay, now explain to me where I can find it on my phone. And so I, I tried helping them out as best as I could. So to I, our... I was with you for a few of those. I don't <laughs> didn't have anybody come up per se to me. Well, to our new listeners, welcome, guys. Um, thanks for riding with us. And if you're a fan of HPJ Talk, be sure to, uh, to share that link with, with your friends and neighbors. 
we're always welcoming to new listeners, right? Yeah, and we, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at hpjdoc at hpj.com and let us know what you're up to in your area. Or you can call us at 1-800-452-7171. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the August 5th print edition. We'll have updates from the harvest field from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest correspondents, courtesy of our friends at KFRM. And we'll chat with Kansas Wheat's Director of Government Affairs, Taylor Williamson, about next week's annual meeting held in conjunction with our sorghum slash wheat U, August 14th in Mulvane, Kansas. And then, of course, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have some final thoughts. It is a scorcher out there, right, Kayleen? It's supposed to be 106 degrees today, right? Yeah. They were saying dangerous heat Yes. when I looked at the weather this morning. So why not take a little extra time driving between your destinations in front of that nice cold AC comfort and ride with us on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is from copy editor Jennifer Thewer, who writes about high mountain disease or brisket disease in cattle that cannot respond to elevation changes. Much like hypoxia in humans, HMD causes pulmonary vessels in cattle lungs to constrict, causing the heart to push out more blood and develop hypertension in the calf. This leads to congestive right heart failure and eventually death. There is no vaccine or treatment but a pulmonary arterial pressure or PAP test can attempt to predict the degree of pulmonary hypertension. This can lead to better breeding choices in high-altitude herds. Inside, on page 3, contributor Lacey Newland writes about pond health and management and gives tips to producers how to keep their pasture ponds clean and thriving. On page 4, Jenny writes about the USDA, FDA, and EPA trying to make sense of the new biotech regulatory regime and meet President Donald Trump's executive order to streamline the regulatory process for new agricultural biotech products to come to market. On our opinion and editorials page, page six, managing editor Dave Bergmeier writes about rural education in the editorial spot. Dave also brings us a book review on the title, What's Right with Kansas by Ed O'Malley and published by the Kansas Leadership Center. This book focuses on pragmatic solutions for leadership in politics at the local level. Seymour clearly writes about the Voice of the Farmer Garden, which stands beside the USDA offices in D.C. and shows conventional agricultural production. That book review reminds me it's a common ground week for your column, and this week you write about change the role. Yeah, Kayleen, that phrase, everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change the toilet paper, (laughs) it got me to thinking about local issues versus national issues that take up a lot of our minds and the space in our minds. It's much like that book that Dave reviewed. Change starts with small things that eventually add up to big things. On pages 12 to 14, we have updates from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews from the road, brought to us by John Deere, Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, and High Plains Journal. And for added photos, videos, and the popular combine cam, visit online at allaboardharvest.com. 
In the livestock section, contributor Lacey Newland writes about nitrate toxicity that can become a factor in hot and dry conditions. Folks, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can always call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you. So joining us on HPJ Talk today is Taylor Williamson, Director of Government Affairs for Kansas Wheat. Taylor, it's your first time coming on HPJ Talk. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start off with what's new with Kansas Wheat, what's going on with the membership, and um, you know what's what do you hear from the field? We have some exciting new membership promotions coming up. Uh, we've started working with FNC Corp. Uh, they're going to do a sponsorship where if you buy some of their product, they will pay for your membership. So that's pretty exciting. We're also working on a referral program where if you can get some of your friends and relatives to sign up for the COG membership, then you get some free prizes. So uh, you can even figure out how to get a Yeti cooler. So uh, we're also having our annual meeting uh, next week at WeU, and so you'll have an opportunity to voice your opinion on policy resolutions and vote for our board members and uh, get a chance to shape how we go over the next year in regards to state and federal policy. You know, that is so important and so critical to have your voice be heard as a member of an organization like Kansas Wheat. You're right there in the thick of things with um, government policy and such. What are the hot topics that we're seeing right now at the state level and maybe at the federal level too? So at the state level, a couple new things now that uh, Congress is no longer in session. Um, Chief Justice Lawton Nuss and Justice Lee Johnson announced their retirements. So Governor Laura Kelly will have an opportunity to really shape the Supreme Court of Kansas to fit her her view on policy. So she'll have two opportunities to appoint judges. Uh, Sam Brownback got one. Uh, currently, the court sits at a 3-2 Democrat majority, so she has the opportunity to really shape shape policy in the years to come. So that's, that's going to be a pretty big deal moving forward. Um, another thing is obviously the Senate race uh, for the for Pat Roberts' seat as he is retiring. Um, there's a few people in, in the race right now. Chris Kobach is the notable one, as well as Susan Wagle, who is, was the Kansas Senate president. Uh, there are rumors about people such as Mike Pompeo coming out. There's Roger Marshall, who who is the first district representative in the House. He he's rumored to uh, be planning an announcement. So those are things we'll be keeping an eye on at the state level, and then obviously at the federal level, MFP payments were just announced. Uh, there's a lot of information coming out about that. Uh, the county rates can be found on the FSA website. There's, and then the big one was China that just came out with the new tariffs that were introduced, the 10% tariff on the remaining uh, products coming from China, and then China devaluing their currency, which caused a uh, stock market um, reaction to, for, for it to drop uh, at the highest, highest rate since 
of the year. So wow. there's a lot going on right now, especially in trade. You know, and trade is so critical. Like we keep hammering home to our, tech, our Kansas farmers is trade is so critical to um, the prices that they're seeing at the at the elevators and, and at the scales. We also have, um, with the expected reduced corn harvest, though, we may see some more locally or domestically used uh, wheat as feed wheat. Is that right? Yeah, so we've actually started seeing a lot more uh, wheat being fed. Uh, it, cattle have to go on a, a regulated diet, and so uh, people buy in bulk for several months at a time. And so we're beginning to see more and more wheat being fed across the state. Wow. It sounds like there is a lot to cover at next week's meeting. Now, you guys are going to have your board meetings the day before Wheat U, but uh, you'll you'll have your annual meeting the morning of Wheat U at, uh, I believe it's 7.30 or 7 in the morning? Yeah, it's 7 a.m. in the Fire Club room at the Kansas Star Event Center on August 14th, right before, uh, right before Wheat U kicks off. So anybody that's a member of COG should come and join us and get to get to meet us in person as well as voice your opinion on what resolutions we should look at. Uh, we have uh, also our board members being reelected and um, it'll be an open discussion about the federal and state policies and what direction we should take. So uh, come join us. We, we really value everyone's opinion. Well, hey, Taylor, thanks so much for coming on HBJ Talk and I will see you bright eyed and highly caffeinated next week at 7 a.m. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Taylor. Dwayne Thames joining you once again on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest 2 updates uh, brought to you by High Plains Journal, John Deere, on Verberth Manufacturing and Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. Chance to catch up with Janelle Skimper with Skimper Harvesting in the west central part of the state. Janelle, sounds like uh, you've had some hot weather and a pretty good run out there so far. We've been really lucky. We are out here in the Scott City, Kansas area and doing good. We get started early in the mornings and been cutting late at night and the wheat's been doing very well. I think most of the fields are averaging in the oh high eighties, nineties, hundreds, so it's it's tremendous crop. The test weights are good, sixty one and sixty two pounds a lot of it. And I think the protein's been up there about twelve and a half percent, so that's pretty good wheat. Uh, you can keep a harvest crew busy when you got uh, that kind of bushels out there. Yeah, our harvest crew is very busy. So the combine operator has been putting in a, long, a lot of long hours, but the tractor grain cart operator has been working all the time, no breaks for them, and pretty much the same thing for the truck drivers. They're, they've been very busy. So a little different scenario than what uh, you started with when you were further south at the beginning of the harvest run. Right, right. Yeah, this is this is a good place to cut because the fields are flat. There's no terraces. There's no ditches. It's, it's you set the auto track pretty much and you, you get to combine away for the day. So it's, it's a nice place to cut for sure. Looked like from some of the videos, you know, that I'd seen that you'd posted, uh, that you're running uh, stripper headers, uh, leaving as, as much of that, uh, crop standing, uh, to conserve moisture as well. Right. The, the blue headers are the only way to go when you're cutting hundred bushel wheat. It's, it's the best header made for hundred bushel wheat, blue, the blue Shelbourne Reynolds headers. Um, they work pretty slick. It's, I'm pretty impressed with the blue headers. It's, it's a good deal. As far as uh, harvest conditions, it looked like a wheat standing pretty good out uh, in your particular area as well. It is. Um, I've, 
I've cut a few fields that are lodged a little bit. Not not bad, but for the most part, everything's standing pretty good. So we're lucky that way. And and we haven't really had any heavy dews or anything. We did have one night where it, it rained a half inch, but otherwise we've been we've been real lucky. So when you finish up there in the, the general Scott City area, what's next uh, for the crew? Um, we're going to go out to Colorado. So we'll be moving. I don't know how many miles it is, but eastern side of Colorado. Well, our thanks to Janelle Scamper, Scamper Harvesting, joining us on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest. Chance to catch up with Brian Jones, Jones Harvesting. And Brian, uh, seems like uh, summer finally caught up to us uh, the end of last week and through the front end of this week. Uh, things are pretty warm outside. Yeah, it does. It uh, seems like we kind of were off to a slow start for uh, summer kicking in, which I guess is not always a bad thing. But finally, uh, down in uh, southwest Kansas, we got into a stretch of uh, triple-digit weather, and that really helped to push the wheat along, and that made for a rather brisk harvest pace. So there were a lot of machines that have covered a lot of acres in the last couple of weeks. Talk a little bit about what you saw in that area. I suspect, from what most have said, a pretty good crop. It um, has been a very good crop, I tell you, especially compared to the last year when we recall the, the pretty severe drought conditions, a lot of thin wheat, a lot of weeds, something that was very different this year. There was a lot of wheat that seemed to be on the 60 bushel of the acre, where there were some fields that we uh, heard probably set all-time records for yields, um, always pushing up into even 80 bushels of the acre on dry land fields, which was a pretty rare occurrence there, but just enough moisture content and some of this nice cooler weather a little bit helped that wheat finish out and it was uh, quite impressive. We did eventually run into some rainstorms um, here, nothing major, but it uh, caused a delay on harvest and some higher humidities. It kind of made that tail end of Kansas harvest drag on a little bit longer than normal. But for the vast majority of folks, the state of Kansas is wrapping up and I just uh, moved the equipment yesterday into Big Springs, Nebraska. So we're just getting prepared to start Nebraska harvest this afternoon. Sounds like uh, they're probably ready to go, but uh, you've got others uh, to the north that are ready to go very soon as well. Yes, it's going to be a little bit interesting how this plays out for uh, farmers and custom wheat harvesters this year. Nebraska had a very late winter, and they continue to be in a quite rainy pattern. So there's been ample moisture here, and it's made for some slower ripening wheat. So we um, have a few fields here in Nebraska that are ready to go, but some that are probably still a ways off yet in the area. And South Dakota is looking to be just about seven to ten days out before much of central South Dakota will be ready to go. So it's going to overlap, and that always creates a difficult choice for a lot of farmers and custom harvesters alike on how they can uh, manage the timing and how you can try to be in two places at once. So we'll hope the weather uh, cooperates here in Nebraska, and uh, we'll definitely move across acres here quickly and uh, then move on to South Dakota. But there will be some crews here that will have to make some tough choices. Some of this later wheat here in Nebraska will definitely still be a week or two weeks out, and South Dakota harvest will definitely be well on its way before that's ready to go. So I anticipate there will be some split crews in two locations at one time simultaneously until things can finally get caught up. All right, thanks to Brian Jones, Jones Harvesting, joining us with an All Aboard Wheat Harvest update. You can keep track of the blogs and updates from all the correspondents, see the videos, pictures, and the combine cam as well. Just go to allaboardharvest.com. Again, the All Aboard Harvest brought to you by High Plains Journal, John Deere, on Verveworth Manufacturing, and Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. 
For KFRM, I'm Dwayne Thames. Have a great day. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Product Resources on July 30th, corn was down at $3.96, wheat was up at $3.89, milo was down at $3.41, and soybeans were down at $7.34. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Hey folks, for the first time, we're combining our popular sorghum U and wheat U into one main event. That's two events packed with valuable speakers, all on August 14th at the Kansas Star Event Center, Mulvane, Kansas. And be sure to stop by the IntelliFarms booth while you're there to enter for a chance to win $20,000 in credit to be used towards implementing SureTrack Farm. You can register online at sorghumu.com or at wheatu.com. We'll see you there. Next week's print issue of High Plains Journal is our crop genetics issue with a story from contributor Lacey Newland. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes August 12th and look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on places like iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. We're also on Instagram. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends.